Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, today we have a guest on that has a powerful, powerful story. I mean, these stories are going to touch lives for sure. You know, and we are just coming off of Christmas. We're going into a new year. So we want to say Happy New Year to our listeners. Um, but, you know, let's talk about that. We're in this, you know, uh, we're going into a new season, a new year, and and uh, I think it was you that said it recently, but uh, a new year isn't necessarily for God, oh, this restart, but for us, because we look at uh, yearly calendars, monthly calendars, you know, it's a good time to kind of reevaluate and go, okay, what don't I want to bring into the new year? What can I do better? And so let's talk to our listeners a bit about that, of, of really going, what is it that I can make, not these New Year's resolutions, but really, okay, God, what are you saying for me in the new year? Uh, absolutely, Emily. And again, um, I want to wish all of our listeners uh, a blessed, prosperous uh, New Year 2018. Uh, and I agree with you. I don't think it's uh, something that God really looks at as, as far as to say, well, you know, this is a new year uh, because God lives outside of time. Um, but for us, it's like every every day, right? There are days when you're like, man, I'm glad this day is done. And you're looking forward to a new day. And mm-hmm. we do that with a new week. You know, every yeah. Monday is a new week. And then we do that with every month. Um, but the ultimate, obviously, is every year. And I think the, the reason the year is great is the year sort of 12 months gives you enough time to work on things, experiment things. It's a, it's, it's just that right amount of time to start new projects, you know, do something you've always wanted to do. And uh, so I think think there's a lot of significance to a new year. And part of, I think what people uh, can do, and this is my encouragement to all of our listeners is to sort of reevaluate when you talk about mission, what did I accomplish in 2017? You know, what was, what was the highlights apart from the things that I did that I have to do to, you know, live in this world, right? Uh, I go to work, I, I go to family functions, I have friends, I hang out, all of that. And that's all wonderful. And it is a part of God's plan for our lives. Don't get me wrong. But then beyond that, what did I do to further the mission of God, the mission of Christ, right? And was it maybe I supported a charity project? Maybe I shared the gospel with a friend. Maybe I built a friendship with someone who's not a Christian. Uh, so God would give me an opportunity down the road to be able to share Christ's love with them. And, uh, and, and evaluate that, look at that and say, you know what, God, what, what do you want me to do in 2018? How can I be a part of your mission in this new year. And I think that is something that uh, if we can spend time praying about that as we come into the new year, maybe at the end of the year now, this week, or uh, into the first week of January, I think there's a lot of merit to that. And and as we'll hear in the story today, uh, you know, God weaves the story of our life in such an incredible way Mm -hmm. that sometimes you cannot plan those things. So we're not saying every moment will be planned and you'll know everything that God's doing, but you want to say, God, you know, there's a verse that uh, says, Emily, the steps of a righteous man are ordained by the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And that idea that, hey, when you're saying to God, God, I want you to ordain my steps. I want you to help me make the right decisions in this new year uh, as I follow and as I um, 
as I'm led uh, right. by your Holy Spirit. So that's my encouragement to everyone in the new year is think about mission. Think about how God will have you be a part of his mission uh, in this new year. Yeah, this is going to be a powerful story of really helping people to understand how can I uh, make that opportunity or be able to give back to my community. And and listen, friends, I want you to know that this is going to be such a powerful story. I mean, I was just blown away when we were recording this. So please share this with someone, especially young people and young adults. You know, call them, text them, email them, say you got to go. Find Mission Connect podcast on iTunes or Google Play and and check check out this podcast. And please remember to subscribe uh, to this podcast because let me tell you, I listen to the podcast most often that I'm subscribed to. So hit subscribe and share with someone else. And let's head right now to this podcast with uh, Sean James from Urban Promise in Toronto. And so we're excited to have Sean James, the Executive Director of Urban Promise Toronto. Sean, welcome to the Mission Connect podcast. Thank you. Um, Sean, listen, uh, we are uh, super excited because you're doing something, Sean, that I think is so important, which is thinking and talking and working in missions right in our city, in the greater Toronto area. And, uh, you know, I know we talked about this before we went on air, that uh, so often when we think missions, we think international, we think in another part of the world, and yet... Uh, the world has literally come to our doorstep here in uh, in Toronto, and so what a great opportunity uh, to to serve uh, the people of the city and to be uh, used by God to share the gospel. And so I know you're doing that. Uh, Urban Promise is a great ministry. We're going to get to that in a moment. But Sean, tell us. I mean, the title sounds amazing, Executive Director, mm-hmm. you know, Urban Promise Toronto. That's awesome, man. But tell us how you came to faith in Christ. Like, where did it all start for you? What was your journey like? Uh, and um, yeah, just sort of talk to talk to us about your relationship with Jesus. Okay. Um, so let's start it off first. Um I was born um, in, I guess, Toronto Community Housing. Uh, so I started off there. My parents are from Jamaica. Uh, they came to Toronto. Um, you know, uh, not much in their pockets in terms of being able to survive. And so we moved into Toronto Community Housing. I was there for a bit. Um, but my older sibling, my brother, got in a lot of trouble um, with the law and just there's a lot of bad influence that was surrounding us. And so my parents decided to get us out of Toronto community housing and into a newer community at that time, which was called Malvern. Um, and so we moved out of that community just for my brother's own safety and just to get him out of trouble and all the bad influences because um, they didn't want the rest of this, us, our siblings uh, to be impacted as well. I come from a family of five kids, so three sisters and one brother. Wow. And so uh, we moved to Malvern, um, but as I got older, um, Malvern wasn't uh, that great either. And so um, as I grew up, Malvern was you know, surrounded by drugs and gangs and, and violence as well um, in the community. Um, and I got caught up in some of that um, at a young age, you know, starting in grade seven. Um, you know, I, and so started grade seven. I wasn't the greatest student in school at the time, and I just got caught up in the wrong crowd. Um, and got into high school, it was the same thing. 
but then uh, the Lord had saved uh, one of my friends who was just, um, you know, this involved in a lot of stuff. He went to jail for some time and the Lord saved him in jail. Um, after getting saved in jail, he got released and uh, he got sent to my high school. And so him and another friend, uh, they started a Christian group um, uh, just to reach our high school students. And then there I got to hear about the gospel. They're passionate about the gospel and this passion about, you know, telling others about Jesus and how he came to save us uh, from our sins. Um, so I got to learn about the gospel through them. And, um, and then I got invited to a church. The church was a vibrant youth, had a vibrant youth group. The youth pastor was solid and they had an awesome leadership team. And, um, you know, I got joined into the youth group and it was, you know, it was really good. And uh, we went to a youth conference called Winterfest at that time. I remember going to that conference and I was still involved with, uh, you know, the wrong crowd, wrong group of friends at that time, even though I was at, you know, involved in this Christian group in high school and going to the church, still involved in the wrong group of friends. And, um, and so while I was um, at this youth conference, it was a retreat up in the Niagara area. Um, the, you know, I remember the preachers just preaching and he was just saying stuff that just connected to my life mm-hmm. of just, you know, where we're going in life. And uh, I started to look at my own self and I tried the Christian walk. You know, I, I come from a Christian home. My parents were both Christians and, you know, I was trying to live for God, um, but I was just doing it in my own, in my own flesh, in my own strength not realizing, you know, that Jesus is offering us grace um, and we can't save ourselves apart from his grace and, and, and it's through faith. And so as he was preaching, I was like, okay, um, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I, I just can't do it. I, I've tried. Um, I just can't do it in my own strength. So I remember going back to my hotel room, crying out to God and saying, God, like, I want to follow you. I want to live for you, Lord. I don't want this life. I don't want to be like my friends. I don't want to die before the age of 21. Um, you know, that's that that says, that, you know, young black men are dying before the age of 21. I, like, I don't want to die because gun violence and so on and drugs and whatnot. Um, but if you could save anyone like me, save me, Lord. And so I went back the next morning, Sunday morning, preachers preaching and, you know, really felt convicted. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to give myself to you, Lord. Like if, if you could save me, do it, Lord, because I know I can't do it. And so uh, and got saved, started to follow the Lord, went back to Toronto and, you know, got plugged into our youth group at church and youth group at, at school. Um, and then my friends like, you know, we need to do something with our faith. We need to begin to reach our community, um, tell others about Jesus. And so um, I went to my church and said to my church, you know, how do I, how do, you know, how we, what are we going to do to reach our community? You know, the scriptures tell us about reaching others, you know, preaching the gospel. How are we going to do that? And they're like, I don't know, Sean, why don't you do something about it? So I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll figure out something. So. I started doing Salvation Army food drives for the local food bank. Um, I started doing outreaches in the park, you know, doing concerts, asking, you know, our different gospel artists to come to the park and, you know, we'll do put on a concert and, and, and that'll be for the, you know, people that are around. So I did that in Malvern. We did concerts in the church. Um, and so we just did a lot of outreach events. Um, and then me and my friends are like, you know, this is not enough. We need to get educated. You know, we need to know our Bible more. And, um, and so we went to, let's go to Tyndale and start studying at Tyndale. Went to Tyndale and then part of my program was that you had to be involved in a missions organization. And one of the mission organizations was Urban Promise Toronto. And so I started volunteering there in the after school program there once a week. 
Um, and then after that, um, part of our program was you would go to Camden, New Jersey, which is where Promise was started by, 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 by a man by the name of Bruce Main. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and, um, and so we did that for one week. Uh, we did like a service project there. Um, our, our classmates and so I remember helping out in after school programs there in, and also helping in their private academy school that they had mm-hmm. and helping a family that, that their house that just burnt down uh, helping their family recover and you know, you know go through some of the stuff and see if we could salvage anything that's still still good um, and as I was serving in Camden, New Jersey I was like felt you know I remember one night me outside and this really felt the Lord was calling me to this and do this in Toronto um, you know reaching children at a young age so I went back to Toronto and uh, contacted um, a man by the name of Brett McBride who's uh, who's the director a program director at the time he, he asked him you know is there anything I could do to serve in Toronto uh, at Urban Promise you know he said yeah we, we had just got a grant to start up a new community up in Rexdale uh, I just got that email now and so I was like oh you know Awesome timing. So he asked me, invited me downtown to his office uh, for an interview. And when I got downtown, I was at a church down in the lands down in Bloor. Um, this is the ghetto area. Uh, you know, the church was connected to a strip joint. Sorry about that. Um, the church was connected to a strip joint um, uh, next to it. And then beside the church was uh, coffee time where there was prostitutes and drug dealers outside. And I was like, where am I? You know, uh, it, downtown. And so he called me into his office and we were small at that time. So we didn't have much space. So he brought me into a smaller room. Uh, we had interns uh, um, serving at Unpromise. And so we were in their bedroom and um, he getting my, having my interview done. And then he hired me on the spot. And he said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to send you out to the Rexdale area. And I was like, where is Rexdale? Um, he gave me the name and address of where he wants to start up the site. And he says, go reach kids. And I was like, that's it? And he said, yeah, go reach kids in Rexdale. So, and I'm from Malvern. I didn't even know where Rexdale is. Um, and guys in Malvern don't go to Rexdale. East don't go to the West. Um, but I went anyways in faith and I had a coworker with me and she, we just started walking the streets of Kipling, handing out flyers saying, Hey, come to uh, summer camp or starting for summer camp. You know, it's only cost five bucks. And I remember seeing lots of kids on the streets with their single parent moms walking home. And, uh, and it was just amazing to see that and just inviting them to our summer camp. Our first day of camp, I had about two kids and I was like, Oh man, we're not doing a good job. But by the but we kept on faith with you know kept on plowing at it. By the end of our summer camp, end of six weeks, we had about twenty five kids registered for our junior high program, and then another twenty plus kids uh, for our children's program, ages five five to ten, and that was our launch of you know our programs in Rexdale. And so I had to go back to school and went to Brett and say, hey, what am I going to do now? I have twenty five kids that we reached in Rexdale. Like now I'm leaving. We can't just leave these kids. You know what are we going to do? And so we decided, okay, how about I start up a, a youth group on Friday nights for junior highs. And then I'll do Saturday mentorships where many of these kids in these communities do not get out of their neighborhood. They don't see downtown. They don't go on many trips. So I said, okay, you know, I'll take a few kids every Saturday out on trips. You know, I'll take them downtown, take them to the movies, uh, take them to McDonald's, uh, go ice skating, tobogganing, you name it. Just take them out of their neighborhood and let them see the rest of the city. So I did that for four years. Um, during my school year, uh, you know, I'll do Friday nights, youth groups, you know, teaching the kids about the gospel, doing fun games, having a meal together. So we'd always have a dinner. And so family time, we called it. Mm-hmm. 
So we talk about their, their day and how their day was, the joke of the day, and then we'd have a meal. And we would cook the meals together as a team and uh, serve the kids. So that was every Friday night. Had a family meal for our kids. Saturdays was mentorship, uh, spending time with these kids. Um, what's interesting is that many of these kids that I first met with, I still know them now today. You know, they're 25, 26 years old, 27 years old. Some of them are, I'm their godfather to their kids. Their kids are actually in the program now. And so the relationship started at a young age with them. Um, so I did that for four years, uh, after school pro and it's four years, Friday nights and Saturdays, uh, while in school. And then summertime, I would do summer camps for six weeks. Mm. When I finished, uh, university Tyndale, um, I wanted to come on full-time staff at Promise, but I had to raise my support as a missionary, hundred percent of my support. Um, and uh, a man by the name of Tony Campolo from the States, he was the one that helped uh, found Urban Promise in the States. He was coming to Toronto to speak at a church. I think the church was called Age Court Pentecostal Church at the time. Um, he was speaking, heard about my story, heard about what I was doing in the city. Um, he's like, oh, we need to get this guy supported. Um, so I was there at the service and he called me up and said, hey, here's Sean James. He's, he wants to be a full-time missionary at Urban Promise, but he needs your support. And at that time, I had zero dollars in my pocket, you know, as a missionary. Um, do you know where these funds were coming from? My, you know, local churches didn't really support missionaries um, at that time. And so uh, Tony did a pitch, and he raised my full salary in that one night um, wow. for me to come on staff at Urban Promise full time. And so that helped me to start up the after school program now uh, every day. And can do the continue to do Fridays and Saturdays with the kids. So, um, and then 16 years later, I'm here now as executive director and promise. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. It's a it's a story of, you know, when we talk about missional living and this mission connect of going at a young age. So, what age were you when you uh, really that moment where you were saying to the Lord, you know, save me? I need. You know, you were just in a desperate need of following God. What age was that? Um, I was around about 17, 18, around there. Yeah. So if we had 17, 18-year-olds, just to go back a little bit, because we see where you are now, and then it's like, you know, I, you know, I know 17, 18-year-olds, and kind of that zeal and that passion that where it was like, you went to the church and you were like, okay, what do we need to do to be in the community? Like, what was that that just, um, what was that desire? How did that come out of you? And then you take the initiative to go serve the church, go serve the community, go serve the people. Like, what would you say to 17, 18 year olds now of like, who have, you know, who are kind of in this place where, you know, at that age, we're just thinking about ourselves and where we are and going to university, college, a career. What would you say to them for them to kind of understand the importance of being missional at a young age and, and taking kind of that passion, that energy that we have at that age and going, how can I serve others? How can I serve the community? Yeah, um, yeah. At age seventeen, you have lots of time on your hands. You, you know, you don't have any major commitments. You don't have a family to take care of necessarily, like kids and so on. Um, and so, and and if you're seventeen and you're 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 a Christian, you got to take a look at the scriptures. Look at how Jesus lived, um, how he cared for those who were poor and sick and hungry, um, and and look at yourself. What are you doing about that? 
And that's what drove me was that I took a look around my community. I had friends that are dying, going to jail. And I'm a Christian and I'm seeing Jesus um, caring for those who are in need. And I was like, what am I doing? If I'm called to be a disciple, someone who's following Jesus, um, how am I doing that? You know, what am I doing about that? Um, and so that was the drive in my message to young people too, is take a look at yourself. And, 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 and if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, how are you following him? More than just going to church on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's great and we need that and that's important for your growth. Um, but what's the next step? How are you living out your, your life and how are you being a witness um, uh, to others? Um, so that's kind of the, the where what just hit me um, when I was 17 and just looking around and, and just seeing my friends go to jail or die um, at a young age um, because of guns and violence. Sure. Now on the other side of it, now that you're where you're at and you had that experience, what would you, because a lot of our listeners are probably, they're uh, church leaders, they're churchgoers. What would you say to those people to help uh, like kind of um, guide these young people who may have this passion, these young people who have the time, like what can we do as church leaders or as local churches to be able to uh, give opportunity for these young people so that we are keeping them off the streets as well. We're keeping them out of, you know, getting into the violence because we're providing for them in the church as opposed to the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would say first get them serving, you know, get them serving. Um, yeah. Serve in the church, you know, whatever capacity, like whatever gifts or talents they have do that in the church for sure. That's where I started. I started serving in the church. Um, um, so I, and, and using their gifts and their talents, whatever gifts or talents they have, what are they passionate about? What do they like to do? How can they do that for the kingdom? Uh, first starting off in the church, how do you serve? So I did that. Like I joined my choir. I was reading scripture. I started, um, my youth pastor gave me the opportunity to preach. Um, so my church gave me opportunities to do things, just trying it out. I was on the choir, but I wasn't a good singer. Um, I couldn't really sing. Um, but they, my church gave me opportunities to try something, you know? And help me to discover what I was good at, you know. Um, they allowed me to go and start up a, a food drive. Um, they just gave me opportunities to do stuff. And so I would first challenge the church, give your young people opportunities mm-hmm. to serve. Whatever gifts or talents, give them opportunities to do that. And also in the church, and then also give them opportunities to go and serve somewhere else. Uh, go and serve someone else, uh, whether it's, you know, downtown, an, a nonprofit organization in the city. Or, or take them on a, on a mission trip that's not too expensive and it's feasible for them to do something like in the States or something like that, or here locally, Urban Promise Toronto, we take local missionaries, youth groups all the time. Um, those are things that I would say, I, I've seen a huge difference in the youth that come and serve at Urban Promise for a one week. Um, youth groups come, get impacted by just serving kids. Mm. they're learning how to teach the Bible to kids um, that probably don't hear the gospel much. You know, they're, you're utilizing their leadership skills in serving those who are less fortunate than themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, good. that's incredible. I, I think um, that's really good wisdom as well uh, to engage. And you know what, uh, Sean, as you're talking, I'm thinking there's so much creativity locked up in young people. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I think, you know, the church misses out on so often because they may not uh, 
check all the boxes, you know, that we want them to check off before we think they're ready to do anything for God, you know, and I'm not saying they should be put in leadership positions, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but just an opportunity, like, like you're talking about to, uh, to make a difference, to serve somewhere. Right. Um, So let's talk about, uh, obviously now, you know, you're, you're doing this, you, you, you get into urban promise, go back for a moment, Sean, and tell us about how urban promise started, because I think that's a very significant um, sort of backstory to even your journey coming into becoming executive director as well. So give us a little bit of insight on how urban promise began and when it began. Yeah. So it started in 1998. Um, and, uh, and basically it started by um, a man by the name of Colin McCartney. And he was a youth pastor in Scarborough. And his church was reaching Toronto Community Housing. And so they would have a basketball uh, drop-in program. Colin would coach at the local high school as well. And... Um, and while he and he would take his youth out, uh, to mission trips, so he wanted them to serve, and so he would take them out to um, Urban Promise in Camden, New Jersey. So that's where Urban Promise first started. Uh, it was in Camden, New Jersey, um, by a man by the name of Bruce Maine uh, in 1988. So that's when it started. And um, in Camden, New Jersey, at that time, it was the second worst city in the United States at that time. And so he would take his youth group out to Camden to serve. Um, um, and, and basically, they would just work in after school programs and in the, in the schools uh, to serve their community. And he wanted to teach his youth group how to serve um, and, and how Jesus served people. He wanted his youth to do the same thing too and expose them to a different culture, expose them to uh, things that are outside of their norm. And so he would do that. They would sleep in some ghetto places. Um, you know, he tells a story of like a mice, mouse, uh, you know, while he was sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor of a basement of a church and mouse is crawling on top of him while he's sleeping and stuff like that. So he, he would take his, his youth in the, the, the most ghettoest buildings to sleep and stay for a week. Like he wanted a true missions experience for his youth group. And so um, at his youth group, uh, he had a drop-in program, and there's a young man by the name of Marcus who came out to his basketball program, loved Marcus. Um, he would always play Marcus one-on-one. Um, he, he would always trash talk Marcus and say, hey, um, you know, just trash talk him while playing ball. Um, I don't know, beyond you like white on rice type thing. Um, and all those kind of things. He... And Marcus one day uh, died of a drug overdose. Um, he loved Marcus dearly. And um, Marcus's mom came to him and said to him, uh, Colin, uh, you're the only pastor in our community. And um, would you bury my son? Would you do the funeral? And so Colin said, sure, I'll, I'll do the funeral. Um, and so at the end of the funeral, a young girl uh, Colin goes up to this young girl and sees her with a baby and says, Hey, how do you, how do you know Marcus? How do you know the deceased? And, and she says, I w- I'm Marcus's girlfriend and this is his baby. And at that moment, uh, Colin was just um, moved within himself and realizing that, Hey, we need to start reaching our communities at a young age, age five, before they get into drugs, gangs, violence, and so on. We need to do prevention. Uh, first, it's great that I have all these programs for these young high school guys, but I need to reach them before they even get 
attempted to the drugs and gangs and so on, influenced him at that age. So looking at that baby, staring at that baby, that's when he came to realize that I need to start, or I need to reach some young age. So he called uh, Bruce Main from Camden, New Jersey, down to Toronto City, showed them around the area, Toronto community housing that he was reaching. He says, hey, Bruce, do you think we could have room promise in, in Toronto? Um, we need our own promise in Toronto. And Bruce says, yeah, I think we could do that. And I think I know the guy that could start this up. And Colin's like, great, get him started now. Uh, we need this. We need a ministry that's going to reach our kids. And Bruce says, and then Colin says, you know, let me meet this guy. And Bruce says, mm, it's you. You're going to do it. And then <laughs> Colin's like, what, me? How am I going to do it? He's like, you know the community. You're doing the work. You're going to start in Promise Toronto. And so Colin went to his church board and, and he said, Hey, like, I feel God's calling me to reach our community in this capacity, start our own promise, our promise Toronto. And so his church board said, sure, we will back you. So they, he stepped down from his pastoral position and then he started our promise Toronto. Um, and so, um, and it's grown ever since then. Uh, in May, we're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary, May 5th. We'll be celebrating our 20 years of ministry, 20 years of journeying with families. So. That's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't look at the Marcuses of our world and say, you know, who's reaching out to him? Who's reaching out to his family? And um, I think you guys are doing incredible work. And, you know, one of the things that I think sort of ties in, um, Sean, is you grew up initially in Toronto Community Housing. Mm-hmm. And... And now you're executive director of a ministry that primarily focuses on Toronto community housing. Yes. So it's almost like God sort of brings you back full circle and says, you know what, I've given you a taste of what it's like to grow up in that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I'm going to take you back and I'm going to you know, allow you, I guess, to spearhead a ministry that's going to help young people within that community. Now, it sounds to me from a conversation before we went on air that Toronto Community Housing, it's almost like its own city within a city, if you know what I mean. And the numbers sort of prove that it's uh, it's a pretty big city. It's got a lot of people uh, yeah. within it. So give us um, some numbers. Give us some stats. Give us some Give us a sense, Sean, for those who are listening to this podcast right now that may be from the greater Toronto area or even Ontario, uh, about what Toronto community housing is all about and what it's like there for the young people growing up there and uh, what are some of the numbers of the, uh, of the population, the, the demographics within Toronto community housing? Sure. Um, well, first of all, uh, one of the stats that people don't realize is that Toronto Community Housing is the second largest social housing provider in North America, wow. uh, second only to New York City. Mm-hmm. New York City is the first, and then uh, Toronto is the second largest social housing provider in North America. Wow. So the social, when you say social housing, that's basically um, subsidized um, housing, rent, whatever, for families that are uh, below a certain income threshold. That's right? correct. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and what are we talking about? Like, what are we talking numbers-wise of the number of people? So it's the second largest, but what, is, what does that mean as far as the number of people in, in Toronto Community Housing? Um, so you're looking at about, in terms of residents, you're looking at about 110,000 residents uh, mm-hmm. that live in Toronto Community Housing. That's like uh, a small city. Yeah. Wow. You're looking at, and, and within that, um, ages 24 and under is about 41,800 are living in Toronto Community Housing. 
So that's almost almost half the po- population of front of community housing is under the age of 24. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that's staggering. Hmm. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, and I was going to say, and in terms of income-wise, uh, 75% of households live on less than $20,000 a year. Wow. Is that, is that like poverty? Like what is our poverty number? Do you know? I don't even know what, what that government number is, but that sounds very close to yeah, um, that, being that at is, or under the poverty line. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Is 20,000 is usually the poverty line. Wow. So you're talking about 75, about 80,000 people are below the poverty line uh, within the Toronto community housing uh, yeah. system there. Correct. Wow. And, and, and what is it like? So you, uh, and how many communities are we talking here? Like, what is that? Yeah, there's, there's about 350 trunk me housing committees across the city. 350. Wow. And, um, and, and give us a sense of what it's like. I mean, you, you know, you live in that area as in like you, you function in that area, you work in that area. And um, I'm not sure has things changed in the last 20 uh, or plus years that you were, you know, you grew up there. Uh, what, what's it like? What's it like for young people? What, what's happening? Give us some stories. Give us a sense to those who are listening on why this is a mission field, why we need people to, to step into ministry in this area, either full-time volunteer or people to donate towards ministries like Urban Promise. What's going on? Um, yeah, a couple of things, as you probably hear on the news, um, you know, um, some of the negative things that you hear um, is, you know, the guns, the drugs, the gangs, the violence that happens. Um, sometimes, and you also hear in the news about um, the, the condition of the buildings, the apartments, the houses are really bad. Mm. Um, so that you, you go on the news and you just research some of the conditions that these buildings are uh, are in and the kids that live in these buildings and what they got to go through um, is really bad. Um, but just speaking about some of the violence that's happening in the community, just this year alone, um, majority of our um, police shootings, not sorry, normally the majority of the shootings that happen, um, according to our police reports, um, high numbers is from Toronto Community Housing. You know, mm-hmm. and so the majority of our shootings happen in Toronto Community Housing. Um, just this year alone, I had one of my youth actually, who I'd known since he was a young boy, probably age of maybe six or seven. I known him. And he was going ten hour programs. Good kid. He's from Toronto Community Housing as well. Uh, grew up through our programs. Became a leader in our programs. Went off to college this year. He's supposed. To, he's graduating from college. His graduation was supposed to be in June. He was holding down two jobs. Um, very responsible young man. Um, he was doing what he normally does every every weekend on Sunday. He was uh, take after church. Um, he was taking his nephew home, driving his nephew home um, in the night. It was around maybe seven or eight o'clock at night. Uh, driving his nephew home, there was a car sitting out in the parking lot, watching him get into his car, put his nephew, who's about the age of four, into this into his car seat, drive out. And so the car was watching him um, drive out. And as he was driving along Kipling, uh, the car pulls up beside him and begins to shoot at the car. Um, you know, one of the bullets hits him in the neck. 
his car, he get his, and then his body goes automatically um, paralyzed. And so his foot is still on the gas pedal and he's driving straight into a car, into a light post. Um, he is immediately paralyzed completely. Baby's in the backseat of the car. Um, um, fortunately, thank God, nothing happened to the baby. The baby was safe. You know, uh, local residents called the police and they're able to get him out of the car and the baby out of the car and rush him to the hospital. Did surgery on him, um, but they weren't able to uh, restore his nerves and so on. So um, he's he's paralyzed completely from the neck down. He cannot move anything. Wow! And so um, and so he's him and his mom and his family's been on a journey. Mom been at the hospital every day, practically living at the hospital. I visit him many times in the hospital. Um, and it's just sad, you know. And why why did they shoot him? No reason. It's just because he's from the neighborhood. He has nothing to do with anybody, but that was the kind of stuff that they were doing because maybe somebody from that neighborhood um, has problems with another gang member from another community, and because you live in this community uh, by association, you're gonna get you're gonna get it. So if you know somebody, um, just because you know them and they can't get your friends, they're gonna shoot you instead. Because wow. he wasn't the only victim of this this year as well. Uh, two other young brothers driving. You know, uh, same situation, cars waiting outside looking for people. The next person to come out of the community follows the car. These young brothers were going to just a bas- play basketball, a regular drop-in basketball at the local school. The car pulls up beside them, begins to shoot at the car. One of the brother dies, the other one is paralyzed, got shot in his back, paralyzed. Um, that happened this year. Um, to young guys, guys that I know um, that were doing good, going to college, uh, holding on two jobs. Um, and, and so that's some of the things that happens in our neighborhood, you know, um, just, you know, one of our girls tells a story of how, you know, just, uh, guys rush into her neighborhood, her and her friends and, and, and cousins and little babies are outside hanging out, you know, it's hot summer day and they begin to shoot up the, the, the area. They start shooting and these are little babies in front of the door. Um, but carelessly shooting. They don't care who they're going to hit. They're just going to shoot. Um, a couple of people got hit. No one died um, in that incident, but there was kids right in front of the door when they shot. And you could see the bullet holes on that door. Um, so that's kind of the violence that happens in this neighborhood. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to ask you next, but uh, uh, what's, the, what's the hope? What, is, what, what do you do? Like, you know, what, what uh, I mean, the reality is people are coming into our city. Uh, so we have a constant stream of new immigrants coming in and uh, they've, you know, and, and it, my heart goes out to them in a way because, uh, you know, actually a friend of ours grew up in Toronto community housing as well. And he was sharing the story with me, you know, he was, he was an immigrant and um, or his family was immigrants. And, you know, I mean, they, they don't know any better. I mean, they, they probably are, you know, they can't afford anything more. And so they just get put in this community and these kids all of a sudden have this new reality that this is what they have to live with and they have to survive, you know, and you, in order to survive, you do everything and anything you can, you know, be it yes. associating with people you think can protect you, they can, you know, look out for you. And before you know it, uh, you owe them and, uh, and you, and it's just like this vicious cycle, right? Yes. Um, Sean, I want you to talk to two groups of people, uh, because this is, this podcast is all about connecting people 
to God's mission for their life. And so if you could speak to an, I don't know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20, 21-year-old young person who's grown up in the church, that is sort of in that pivotal time in their life, they're saying, man, I sense a call. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should do it. Maybe I should just get a job and, you know, I don't know, maybe support a ministry, donate to a ministry, right? Uh, but if, if let's just suppose that they are called, just like you were called, mm-hmm. but they're hesitant, you know, because they don't see a lot of people doing what you're doing. They don't really know anyone that's doing it. And no one's really guiding them. What would you say to that person? It could be, I'm, I'm just saying young person. I mean, you know what, for all I know, it could be a 40 year old that God's speaking to that's saying, you know what, quit your job and become a missionary in, yeah. uh, in Toronto, right? But if you were speaking to that person that's called, what would you say to them on why they should take, uh, I guess, the step of faith, the risk that you've taken uh, to, to become a missionary, not in Africa, not in South America, not in India, but right here in, uh, in the greater Toronto area? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, a couple of things is like if they are Christians uh, and they say they love the Lord and they say that they are followers of Christ, um, you know, how did Jesus live his life? You know, um, is what I would tell them. Look at that first and say, yeah, like Jesus lived his life for people. Like he, you know, uh, one, he lived for people in the sense of he died on the cross for our sins. You know, that's the big one. Right. Um, and we're saved. Um, by grace through faith. And so it's only the grace of God while you're saved, not not of your own works, nothing you've done uh, to save yourselves. So that's one of the things. And then the second thing is, okay, like he, he died for me and, and then also he lived for me. How did he live? He lived a life uh, for those, the outcasts, like Matthew, the tax collector, when everyone else did not want to associate with him. He, he, he went and ate with them. Um, we need to do that as well. Eat with the outcasts of society. Um, he fed people. Um, he, he loved people. He served his, his, his disciples. So I would first say, like, look at Jesus' life. Look at the Gospels. Go through the Gospels and, and look at how Jesus lived and then examine yourself and say, how am I living like that? Like, we're called to be radical. Christians are called to be different. Mm-hmm. Live, live differently and live radically. Live by faith, right? How am I living by faith? Um, um, and so that's my first step is I would challenge them. Look at the scriptures, look, read the gospels and look at Jesus' life and how you should live your life too. Um, so that's well, what if people say, you know what, Hey, we're in North America. I mean, do you have any idea what it costs to live in the city of Toronto? Uh, Sean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's one, it, it's one thing to go to Africa. Cause you know what, you could probably raise a lot of money here and go down there and the mm-hmm. conversion really works out. So you can, you know, it's tough, but you can sort of live a decent life. But I mean, if you're going to be a missionary here, I mean, the cost of living is crazy. And so the sacrifices I'll have to make, mm-hmm. and even the family, I think this is a huge part. A lot of people, you know, I, I feel like in our generation today, in our world today, in our culture, Christian culture today, a lot of people hide behind the idol of family, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I got to provide for my family. I got to provide for my kids. And yeah, when I read the missionary stories of the past, and even from the from the New Testament, you know, obviously people were willing to sacrifice, you know, uh, sure, their kids could have gone to a better school, you know, or sure, their kids could have had better toys at Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't step out and do what God called them to do, and yet they did it. So what would you say to that person that says, you know what, the cost of living is high, family, 
you know, I don't know how provision's going to come come around. So I have, I have a heart, but I just don't know how to. I, like I see it, Sean. I see it in the news. You're right. I read the Gospels and I see it. But, mm. but you know, Israel 2,000 years ago feels so far away yeah. to, to Toronto in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think not everyone is called to full-time missions. Um, you know, so I think but they could do something. Yes, like, you know, get a job, get an education. Those are all, all important things. Yes, take care of your family. That is biblical to take care of your family. Um, um, those are all biblical, but I think we're still called to serve whatever capacity we could find ourselves to do. So, um, whether it's to serve lo- at a local missions organization, like urban promise or whatever is in your community, um, everyone can serve, right? I was a full-time student going to Tyndale. Um, and I still spent my Friday nights and my Saturdays serving kids full-time student. Um, um, I had to pay my way through, for, through, through uh, university. Um, it wasn't cheap. Um, Fortunately, because I was serving, I got scholarships because of that. But I had to do it. Um, but it, and it was two hours a week, you know, sometimes four hours a week. But it, everyone has at least two hours a week that they could serve, right? Yes, go get your full-time job and so on. But uh, can you give two hours a week? to serve at a local agency um, and help reach some children um, or whatever, wherever you're passionate in terms of serving. So I think we all can serve. And the second group of people I, I think I would love for you to talk to for a moment are the influencers, the decision makers, the people that uh, sort of hold the purse strings to businesses, to churches. Um, again, like I said, uh, I think we talked about this before we went on air. I've had, you know, our ministries transition from purely doing international crusades to uh, helping churches locally reach communities. And one of the comments I've heard multiple times is, oh, I, you know, you used to be, you used to do missions. Now you guys are doing something different, you know, and I'm looking at, and then I'm saying, well, isn't serving in our local communities missions as well? Is missions only when you buy that plane ticket and get on an airplane to go to Africa or wherever else? Or can it also be as you're doing, walking the streets of Toronto, talking to single parents, talking to young people, building relationships and, and, uh, and helping them discover faith in Christ. So what would you say to decision makers? What would you say to church leaders about, uh, what would you talk to them about? If they're saying, you know what, Sean, talk to me about urban missions. I've never thought about it. Never looked at missions as that it could be urban, that it could be in the city, could be in Toronto community housing. I, in fact, Sean, I haven't even heard these stats before. I'm shocked that this is the reality of what's going on in our city. Why should my church get involved? Why should I get involved? Why should I release my people? Uh, to, to serve yeah, locally? Wow. Good question. <laughs> um, yeah, good. I think the first one is, um, you know, a scripture that I always like to use is, is James uh, chapter 1, um, verse uh, 27, where it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, that the Father is this, um, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So yes, it's good to go to church and and you want to grow in your faith. We need that. And that's the scripture says, like, you know, keep oneself unstained from the world. So there's this place of holiness and righteousness that we need to uphold and, and, and strive for. But then the other part of the text is talking about visiting the orphans and widows. You know, we got a lot of widows in our communities that need to be visited. Um, And that's the, 
that the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We look at uh, the gospels and look at Jesus and what he did and how he lived. Um, and so that's, that's one piece. Um, the second thing is that, um, is that the local churches, um, if we're all about just like just staying together, you know, we're just going to, you know, have our Sunday morning services and, and, and stay in our buildings. And, and that's all we do, but we don't do anything in terms of outreach. How will our communities hear the gospel? How will they, how will they hear, um, if, if no one sent, if we don't go. Um, so that's another piece for me. Um, because our, our city is filled with the nations now. We're one of the highest, um, we have the highest population when it comes to um, multicultural. Um, I guess we're the most, I guess one of the highest multicultural cities um, in North America, right? So the world has come to us. So we don't have to spend thousands of dollars to go to go across the world. We could we could spend a few bucks here in the city and, and reach you know our local neighbors. Um, and so that's the other piece to it. I think that on an economical thing is that it's so much more affordable to do missions here in our city than it is to go across the world. Um, not that I'm not saying that going across the world and doing missions is wrong. I'm saying that here's another option as well, and this is an easy option for to get our young people. You know, it's not as expensive, and you get our young people serving and doing something outside of their norm that they're used to doing and getting them out of their comfort zone, basically, um, and opening their eyes to what's going on in society and our communities. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's such a big uh, part of it, too. And and just going back to that of, of opportunity and giving that opportunity for people in our church, in our local churches, to be able to be a part of something bigger than um you know, what we do from week to week or what we've kind of always done. And I think that is key in engaging even young people because, you know, we've actually talked to few people who have been in a similar story, you know, around their teenage, they're like desperate for God. And it's like, you know, people, people, young people have that heart. They have that desire. But I think the difference is that opportunity. And are we providing that for them? And right here, like, you know, young people too, they like to be invested into something that they feel is important to them. And, and the place where they grew up or their community is a place of investment for them. So you know, my prayer is, is that more young people grab the heart and passion that you had at 17 and realize that even at that young age, God is literally planting seeds into your life for your future, you know, and what, what you grew up in became really your testimony and eventually became, you know, your mission field where how you do life and how you are living out God's call for your life. So I pray that that is an encouragement for young people. I pray it's an encouragement for our churches that they would grab hold of that and go, you know, how can we provide that opportunity for our people, for our young people? So if we have uh, leaders, churches out there that are like, okay, now how do I get connected specifically to Urban Promise or what is, how can we do that? Why don't, as we start to close this podcast, why don't you tell churches, pastors, leaders, how they can get connected to you or Urban Promise if they want to uh, kind of partner with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, the best way to do is you can go online, uh, www.urbanpromise.com, and um, you could um, 
fill out just the inquiry. Uh, if you want to learn more about how your church can serve, um, there's also an option where you can just put join our team and come and serve as a, as a missions team, whether during our March break or summer camp. Um, I found many of our youth, many of the youth that come from different churches come and serve for a week, they're impacted, you know, their faith is strengthened because they're being challenged in ways that they've never been challenged before in their faith. And, and that's what happens when you serve. And so a lot of youth will come and serve for a week and they're just being stretched. They're put in, un, they're put in uncomfortable situations. Uh, they're doing things. They're working with kids that might be challenging for them. And, uh, and they leave going back to church leaders. Uh, they leave going back to church wanting to do more. And so it starts with exposing your youth to, to missions and serving and doing something out of the norm. Um, so that's what it starts with. Um, so people could, you know, come, you know, visit our website and learn about what we're doing. And um, you could just send us an email and uh, we could connect you that way. Um, it's a low cost for churches to get the youth involved. Because um, like you said, it's all about opportunities. Um, at a young age, 17, I was given lots of opportunities at my church to serve. And I finally found my way in terms of what I'm called to do. You know, um, I did, I was doing, I was on the choir. I got opportunities to preach. Um, I had, my church has given me lots of opportunities to just find what my gifts are and, and until I found my place at Earn Promise. And, and I think that's what we need to do for our youth groups as well. Sean, if a, a group was to come to you, a few young people or a church was, supposed, uh, was to send a group, what are the kinds of activities that they would be engaged in? Just give us some, a few examples. So those that are listening get a sense of what we're actually talking about when they come in and they will yeah. serve with you either for a week or even on a longer term basis, uh, you know, a couple hours a week uh, for yeah. a longer term basis. Yeah, sure. Uh, a couple of things are um, we have a March break camp one week. And so youth groups, we house them at a local church somewhere and they'll stay there. And so um, and so that's the first thing. And they'll come at a local church and sleep there, um, have all the meals and all that stuff like that there. And then when they come to our programs, one day we'll, we'll have devotions with them every day. Um, and then they'll be given leadership opportunities. So whether it's to uh, teach a small group Bible study to kids, um, lead worship, uh, they'll take whatever gifts they had that they were using at their local church. They're just bringing those gifts and now utilizing it and serving the community and reaching kids that may not have heard the gospel before. And that's exciting news right there where you're getting a chance to make a difference. Like you, you, you practice it at your local church. Now you get to do it um, for someone else. And so they'll do that. They'll lead fun games and activities. Uh, their favorite games that they may know about, they'll lead kids in that. Um, they will get opportunities to walk kids home. And they'll get the chance to go into Toronto Community Housing and, and, and meet the parents and, and see what the community is like. So they'll do walk-homes. Uh, they'll help with meals. during an after-school program. They help with homework, helping kids read. Uh, so there's opportunities to do those kind of things, reading with kids, teaching the Bible, leading worship, uh, leading fun games, walking kids home, helping prepare meals, cleaning up. Um, so the opportunities either to come in the summertime for one week in a summer camp, six weeks, we provide six weeks summer camp, but they have opportunity to volunteer for one week as a missions team for a local church or individual could come for the whole summer. Opportunities to do help out in March break camp for that one week or during the school year after school programs. And they could just come volunteer maybe two hours a week or something like that and even sit with a kid and help them to learn how to read. Um, so those are opportunities. There's opportunities to become short-term missionaries. 
where they uh, come and serve at Urban Promise for six months or a year. Um, there's opportunities. If you are a student in college, university, and you're, you're doing social work or uh, child and youth care um, or, or ECE, we, we take on placement students. So we've taken a lot of places to they get their practicum, they get their training with us, and they get to apply their faith, which a lot of students don't get a chance to do, but wish they had a chance to do is apply their, their faith to what they're learning in school and organization. So they get to do that. So they're learning the, the theory in university or college, but then they get to do the practical with us, but they also do it and in, in express their faith by doing it as well. So, um, so we partner with Humber College, George Brown College, and international um, universities. Uh, to do placement students. That's amazing. Well, uh, Sean, this has been a privilege and an honor for us to have you on the podcast and to yes. talk to you. And uh, uh, what an incredible uh, story you have and uh, what a great impact uh, Urban Promise is making in our city. And so we will obviously put all the information you've shared with us as far as contact uh, in the show notes so people can uh, get in touch with you. Do you have any personal, say, for instance, social media handles, email that you'd like to share as well? Um, well, yeah, like we, we're on, we're on, uh, Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, but it's all just urban promise Toronto. Yeah. So our website, you know, www.urbanpromise.com and that will just connect you with everything. Okay. My email, uh, is Sean S H A W N at urbanpromise.com. And you can send me an email if you have questions or concerns or want to learn more about what we do or about missions, local missions. Awesome. Sean, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for this chat and uh, looking forward to greater things that God's going to do through Urban Promise in the city of Toronto. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a powerful story. You know, even as we're listening to Sean and the stories he's describing of some of the people and that grew up. And, you know, a lot of these kids are just really born into this environment. And as a mom, it kind of like makes you go, you know, you hear these stories and you're like, wow, these people didn't even have a chance at a new year. These people didn't even have a chance at another day or another week. And so it's like, you know, when we think about how can we, do a better job of reaching people right here? How can we do um, individually as local churches? You know, it's not even all on churches. We should be doing this as individuals too. And, uh, you know, so those those stories, his story and how the hope that there is for those kids, you know, and um, the ones that, you know, get involved in things and, and the hope that we can bring them just by providing opportunity. It's It's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, to think that those opportunities are available right here mm -hmm. in the greater Toronto area and uh, that you don't have to go, you know, halfway around the world. And, and friends, I don't know where you're at, but if you live in any major city in North America, chances are there are communities in your city that yeah. need missionaries, that need, you know, uh, short term missionaries, part time missionaries, full time missionaries or those who will support those missionaries. And I've shared this in the past, Emily, that I find that people that are engaged in local missions find it much harder to raise funds than people that are in, engaged in international missions. Right. Because there is a perception that, oh, those people in those parts of the world are in real need, mm -hmm. whereas here, 
there's not as much need. But the reality is this, money doesn't solve the need of the human heart for salvation. In fact, sometimes money makes it worse. So it's not just about the the physical poverty. It's also about the spiritual bankruptcy Mm -hmm. that is in... um, a lot of the people that live in our major cities in North America. So what a great opportunity. So my encouragement to all of our listeners is find, you know, find out, just get on Google and start, you know, just researching, you know, areas, communities in your city that have needs and, you know, sometimes just walk the street. Some You won't believe how much you can gain in your perspective and perception of what's going on when just you're just in a community, just walking through. I'm not saying go there, you know, in the middle of the, of the night, once it's dark, I'm saying go during the day, go during your lunch break, drive around, just get a sense. And if you see a church in the area, maybe just pop in and say, hey, what do you guys do in the community? Is there... Are there ministries that are serving? Can we help in some way? Can our church help in some way? And, and I know what you're talking about there, Emily, as far as that individuals matter. But I also want to say that individuals and churches matter in the sense that, uh, let me put it this way, that many times churches are not involved because individuals from those churches have not been to these areas. But if you, as a member of your church, go out and begin to have a passion and begin to invite a few people and begin to engage, chances are down the road, your church will actually get involved as well as they see the work that you're doing. So that's my encouragement to, uh, to everyone that's listening. And listen, it, it, New Year's coming up, you know, and uh, just a few days away from 2018. What a great opportunity to, to make a commitment and say, God, I want to be engaged in missions in my local community. You know, Jesus said Jerusalem first before the ends of the earth. So I'm going to do something locally that's going to make a difference, even if it's for one young person who can say, wow, that person invested in me and helped me uh, you know, do well in life and help me discover a relationship with Christ. So that's my challenge to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. So again, we just want to wish our listeners uh, a very happy new year from Passion to Reaches Ministries. And make sure to share this podcast, as we said earlier, you know, to young people, to youth, to young adults, and then also, you know, to church leaders and just hear what's happening here in the GTA. So Tiffany, why don't you tell them how they can uh, subscribe and get in touch with us? Yeah, as you know, uh, you can reach us. Uh, you can get our podcast on uh, iTunes if you use uh, an iOS device or Google Play if you use an Android device. And um, you can also uh, email us at missionconnect at passiontoreach.com or check us out online at passiontreach.com. And, uh, you know, when you go on Google Play or iTunes and subscribe, uh, that's a great way to get our uh, podcast delivered to you every single Wednesday. So thanks again for listening. Happy New Year. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.